0: Uh, I, I've always been aware of the fact that we are talking about uh, talking about a niche, a niche of the niche. If menswear is a niche compare, compared to women's wear, bespoke tailoring is the niche of the niche. My name is
1: Jeremy Kirkland and this is Blamo. My guest this week is Fabio Atanasio of the Bespoke Dudes and the Young Voice of Italian Bespoke Tailoring. You all wanted to talk suits? He's here. You know him from his immaculate style, but more for how he's helped make the world of Italian tailoring more welcoming, approachable, and eternal. Fabio and I discuss his journey and approach to bespoke tailoring, growing with collaborators, working with Omega, and how to save the future of tailoring. Well, Fabio, thank you. Thank you so much for, for chatting with me today.
0: Thank you for the invitation. Pleasure.
1: Of course. You're... You're kind of a legend in, in the whole lore of menswear. And it, you know one, one of my favorite things I like about you is you've been one of the few people whom I think has been able to walk in the old world and the new world at the same time. Because I feel like you have a lot of people who really love tailoring and, and love to talk about tailoring, but no one really understands it because how they communicate it isn't always like appealing, it isn't educational. Sometimes it's very snobby and stuffy. And you know, I mean, you I know you've been doing the bespoke dudes and and just your writing as a whole for years, but you came along and you really connected both of those worlds by making things accessible, exciting, explaining the history behind it, but also not being uh like a snobby elitist person who was like oh you know you can't wear this like you know I remember one of my first experiences in in at, at Uomo, and this is like 2011 and I saw this guy and he was he just looked beautiful and I was like oh uh you know excuse me uh uh you know and my 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 Italians poor and so I'm, I'm trying to like talk to him and I was trying to ask him who his tailor was and he looked at me and he laughed and he was like no
0: no, I will never He's tell like, you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> That's quite a common thing. That's quite a common thing. Yeah, people are uh, are afraid to share the names of their tailors because they're afraid that if many people go at that, that same tailor, he will even uh, either either uh, I mean uh, have a higher uh, lead time or mm. uh, raise the prices. So, so it's quite oh. that's quite common. It's quite common uh, to be honest. Th- thank you for what you said. I mean, uh, I really you really uh, got the point when you said you connected the old world with the new one because that's exactly what I wanted to do I wanted to dust uh, a little bit you know take a little bit of dust off this industry and yeah. uh, you know make it make it approachable also for younger generations through yeah our our you know our tools so social media blog and now also with the book yeah that's right oh my yeah, god yeah yeah yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, so I, I would love to learn a little bit more about your background because, I mean, you're not a tailor, I mean, yourself, you, but you've, you've been in and around this world for a while. So where are you originally from in Italy?
0: Um, I was born and bred in Napoli, and mm-hmm. uh, I moved to Milano when I was uh, 18 years old. I graduated, uh, to, I graduated from um, Bocconi Law School and uh, I always say that everything started in Argentina in Buenos Aires because I went there in uh, twenty eleven and uh, I always say that i I arrived to Buenos Aires thinking that i was i w- i would be a lawyer in my life. I came back to Milano knowing that i didn't want to be a lawyer in my life and I <laughs> wanted to do something <laughs> else <laughs> uh, Wait, what happened there? <laughs> Well, basically, during my college years, I was very, you know, strict with myself. I always wanted to be, you know, have a good uh, mark, have good marks, etc. But I I was always... you know, uh, having hard time to, to find a passion for what I was um, studying. You know, I was not passionate, but, but I, I felt it was normal. Okay. <laughs> I felt it was okay. So once I was there, um, I went to Buenos Aires for an exchange program for six months. And uh what I did is basically I realized, uh, and the, the usual anecdote is that I was studying with this friend and we were supposed to study environmental law, such a huge, you know, very boring subject. Uh, <laughs> very, very boring subject. And uh, she was there studying. She had been studying the whole day. I was able to spend the whole day on internet, uh, it was 2011, so it was the beginning, the booming of uh, blogging and, uh, you know, street side photography, etc. Mm-hmm. I would follow like 100 uh, different websites about P.T. Walmart and that stuff. And she she looked at me and she said, why don't you open up your own blog? And the very first reaction was laugh at her face because I was like, oh, come on, I, I will be a business lawyer in my life. You know, I, I'm, I, that's, that's, uh, that's what I need to do in my life. But that was the very first time, you know, she gave me like, uh, like that little idea that probably this could be something that I could do. That's strange because, you know, almost a, a completely a complete stranger that gives you, opens up, you know, an idea for you. And uh, right. so, so that's what I did. Uh, I came back to Milano. I graduated. I gave the last exams with really, literally, no, none. I was not caring about the mark, etc. So completely different from the previous uh, approach that I had. And uh, I opened this blog and literally without uh, any business plan, just because I felt that I was so passionate about the, the industry. I didn't know anything about tailoring. I was just fascinated. You know, so mm. I learned on, you know, it was a learning on the job for me. <laughs> so I, I didn't start with, with, you know, with a, uh, with a huge knowledge or with, because I had studied something. I was just pa- passionate. I was interested. And that's how I started basically knocking on the door, knocking on the door of these tailors at the beginning, they were, they were not, you know, easygoing and they were not, they were frowning upon me okay. because he, he, I was not either a journalist nor a, a, a customer. So <laughs> what oh. was what, what, what I supposed to do? I was just <laughs> taking their time, you know, I was just wasting their time. Then, then they understood that I just wanted to tell their stories and then the community grew, grew and, you know, things start to take off a little bit. But the first two years were completely non-profitable. So <laughs> I worked as a, as a sales guy in a menswear shop in Milano and et cetera, et cetera. So I started from really from, uh, and I'm very proud of it because, you know, there is the, the usual thing that uh, Bocconi is for posh people. I never felt a Bocconian happy that I did Bocconi, but never felt, you know, like a, uh, figlio di papà, we say in Italian, like, you know, uh, those rich, snobbish kind of people. So uh, <laughs> they were like, ah, you work as a sales guy in a so ah, after Bocconi. Yes, I mean, uh, and uh, uh, the important thing, in my opinion, is to stop when you stop learning. So when the experience is over, you need to pass over to another thing and et cetera, et cetera.
1: Well, but it's inter- it's interesting, though, that you went to retail because I think, um retail is very much an art in the sense of interpersonal skills that you have to develop from helping, you know, folks from different incomes, different priorities. And it's almost like a, like a psychology course that you get, especially with menswear, because so much of it is listening and not, you know, not so much selling. I mean, I, I, you know, I worked in various retail places throughout the Uh, throughout my life and most of my stuff was listening to them and then being like well here you can have this option or this option because they were a lot of like men had been used to at least in america had been used to department stores in which they give them every option in front of them and they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing Mm -hmm. and i was like all the places i work i don't need to sell anything i just need to explain it to you and then Mm -hmm. people are gonna buy it but it was that to me i think is some of the best years of my life because just the relationships that I was also able to build, like full disclosure, an advisor for me and the show is a is a person I met when I was working at the armory
0: wow it was it was right. like a
1: customer we've just stayed such good friends for years i mean and, and but like retail is such an art, and I think anyone who gets to work in that experience they they really get it. I mean, I, I encourage everyone all the time, like go work retail, go it's work true. retail. It's just totally the best. agree.
0: Totally agree yeah. with you. And I must be honest, I I, I did that also because it it allowed me to pay the bills. But at the same time, uh, I was writing for, I would write for magazines. And, you know, in Italy, at least when you write for magazines, you you better be either from a very rich family. So you don't need to work for a living or I don't know. Uh, So basically, I would get, I remember, 25 euros per article which were uh, like uh, 1,500 words long. So nothing, nothing. That's horrendous. So that tells you something. So uh, that's how it started, because uh, one day one magazine actually sent me to interview Nicoletta Caraceni in Milano, the daughter mm. of Ferdinando Caraceni. And that's, that was my very first experience with a tailoring, a proper tailoring house. And I fell in love. So that probably was the, the, the day that I understood that I wanted to know more about, uh, about this industry.
1: When, when you were younger, though, you had said you, you grew up around Napoli?
0: Yes, yes, yes. So my father is a lawyer, so she, okay. he, he is retired, has been retired for a long time. But uh, my, I say that because when I was a kid, it was every day wearing a suit and a tie. So I grew up with this idea, you know, of yeah. man wearing a suit. Uh, but never really brought me to Taylor, et cetera. He was not really a maniac about these things. Uh, mm. I just think it was like an imprinting for me. Uh so it really when people ask me, yeah, because it was because of your father, etc. Yeah, he, he indirectly, he, he indirectly uh, basically gave me this this uh, this idea of you know the suit, et cetera, but never really told me, Okay, let's talk about this fabric, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh. <laughs> So, so it's really something that comes from uh, from my own passion, etc. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I I think that's more more common than what people think too, because I have a few friends who have lived in you know uh, in Napoli and grew up around there, and they, you know, I'm like, oh man, I bet you went to Taylor's all the time, and they were like, no, no, we didn't. <laughs> Just because an industry exists there doesn't mean that everyone's obsessed with it. Exactly. And I was like. Exactly. Right. Okay. My bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely true. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so you go to Karachani and what was that experience like?
0: Uh, I the very the first image I re- I remember is the 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 wall of cloths. Uh, so many so many cloths so many blues so many navies so many grays and the silence of the the workshop so you know really you don't you're not accustomed to it you when you go into a factory you you hear the noise of the machineries in a in a tailoring house there is silence so, you know there's just the needle the thread and uh, and and I don't know. I felt something. I felt moved by the 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 art of transforming, you know, just a piece of cloth, uh, by bi- the two-dimensional into something that is unique and crafted according to tradition, according to you know, love, passion, and the passion of these people. She was Nicoletta is Probably I was lucky because she is very passionate about the. The industry herself, and she was able to, you know, to transmit uh, that passion to me as a young guy, you know. So, so really, really, you, you, you learn about the stories of these people. Even she told me once, I remember I've seen her recently for other things, and she told me when you are a real tailor at the beginning, you, you feel the jacket is part of yourself as much that, that much that you uh, almost don't wanna, uh, you know, Part yourself from it. You don't want to leave it. You don't mm. want to give it to your, to the final customer. That, that's something <laughs> crazy, you know, <laughs> because that's what you need to do to leave. Uh, but you feel like it's so much part of yourself. You, you put so many hours of your work in that jacket that you, you almost feel sad that you leave, that she's leaving, that the jacket is leaving you, you know, which is crazy sometimes <laughs> if you think about it, but it's true because it's, uh, it's the result of hours of years of really countless uh, you know uh, attempts to do that thing better and better and better and you never you never arrive because it's a continuous evolving uh, uh, learning process
1: yeah and i mean i don't know if it's because you were able to speak you know the native language to uh, these other italian tailors or what but i remember reading some of your articles And other people had written about some of these tailors before, right? But a lot of other journalists that would go there would be like, this is this house and they make the shoulder this way and the jackets this way. Okay, next. But your articles were more about the tailors themselves and their life and the heritage from it into which, like, there was a a romance that was that was you were also communicating with with the readers and with, you know, your your readers from that, because I was like, oh, OK, now I know more about this Taylor versus, you know, I I just feel like maybe it was an American thing or an English thing where people were just like, here are the differences. I'm like, well, what about that house? How long did they exist? What are they thinking about there? What What did they have for lunch? What you know, like the first thing that you told me is that it was this, the silence of the room. You didn't mention a single thing about oh, all, all the jackets were cut this way. I mean, and I think that's what kind of sets you apart too. Is there's Thank that you. deeper connection?
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And cool. yes, I think uh, I think yeah, the the language uh, helped a lot. And to be honest, at the beginning, I didn't understand anything about jackets, so <laughs> i would I would give for granted everything that they told me that I was told so yeah, well, fantastic, everything handmade, everything handmade. the one thing that really a lot of tailors would would return to was the handmade point, everything ah oh, yeah, this thing is completely handmade, completely handmade. okay okay handmade and I, I would written every time I would write every time, okay, it's completely handmade, and then after when you you, de- you develop your own you know taste you know you you start understanding the differences the slight differences you have your uh, spirito critico you know your, your critic spirit i don't know how to say that like you start understanding the different the the differences the slight differences mm-hmm. and that's when you uh, start having you know your own point of view so and understand that it's not only the ha- totally handmade thing that makes a difference. But what makes a difference is the fit, is is the cut, is the way that tailor is able to cut a perfect, a a technically perfect uh, suit and a beautiful looking suit for each different customer, which is a different canvas. Uh, Mm. Because unlike the the painter, which has always the same uh, kind of canvas in front of him and he just needs to master his, you know. Ability to transmit his mind into the canvas, into the, the the brush, etc. The the canvas of the tailor is the human body, which by by definition is different. One different from the other. So he just needs to create something always beautiful, starting from a different point. You know, starting point, uh, which is the human body. And that that's fascinating if you think about it. Because if we had all had the same body. Every, every tailor would be good because after many years uh, cutting, uh, you know, a, a suit for the same kind of proportions, etc., everybody would be great at making a fantastic looking suit, you know. But then you get, <laughs> that's the, the the goodness of a tailor. I, I can see that in in these things.
1: Yeah, I, I remember I, I went and had a fitting with a tailor and I walked into the room and they're like, okay, are you ready? and i'm standing straight up like as stiff as possible staring at the you know staring at the mirror and they came in and they're like you're not ready how about i have a coffee and i'm like okay sure and i'm sitting i'm drinking the coffee and obviously my posture goes back to what it usually is i'm a little hunched over yeah. you know my stomach sticking out and they're like now you're ready
0: no, <laughs> I was yeah. like, that's uh, true. absolutely true totally yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, so, uh, you know, after you went to there, I mean, you you started chronicling more and more in these tailors. But when was it that you were kind of figuring out what you really liked? Because obviously, to say you like Italian tailoring is to say you like, you know, a car. There's a cajillion different versions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, well, but what kind? (laughs) So, like, were you figuring out
0: what you liked? absolutely well and and i'm still uh, it's a continuously evolving process uh, this one as well because of course i i love neapolitan tailoring for my origins for the relaxed rounded shapes that you have etc etc but i do love as well I, I do have uh milanese jackets double-breasted jackets they're fantastic and i would love to get a liverado jacket for that florentine construction of what just one dart on the on the front is instead of two that in case of a pattern doesn't break uh, you know the pattern itself on the front so uh, i guess the more you go the more you understand that there is as much as the cars to pick your example you get the car to go to the grocery shop you get you get the car to go outside <laughs> for the, uh, the for the weekend uh, and you get the car to go to the mountains etc the same thing goes for for tailoring and uh, i like i like everything it's like cooking it's like uh, it's like food mm. you know and Italy is so diverse. It's so you, we got, we we are, we are a, 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 like, a, I don't know how to say that in English, but a conglomerate, like a conglomerate, can I say that, conglomerate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of different towns, never felt, really felt uh, united under the same nation, under the same roof. So that's the truth about Italy. Uh, unless, unless we're talking about football, which I don't follow. But <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't follow, yeah. <laughs> that's Sorry all right, You're, same yeah.
1: here. I pretend to like... Uh, the, the sport and then someone mentions it and I'm like uh crap yeah Should I look it
0: up? (laughs) Exactly. Same thing. Don't know what to say ever. So I would say, yeah, we are so individualists that uh, everyone, if you go to Milano, you find a a way of interpreting the structure of the jacket. You go to Florence, you have another one. You go to Napoli and then Sicily and Apulia. And we all have different minds and uh, everybody feels like he's doing his way of doing the jacket. I don't say it's the best way, but he makes it that way, which is the added value of the Italian mm. tailoring. Of Italian tailoring, uh, and I noticed the, uh, this thing also in my book because when you go to Spain, for example, th- from a structure point of view, structural point of view, uh, you always you always see the uh, the same structure because you have the second dart full length, okay, cut to the bottom. Then every mm-hmm. tailoring house uh you know uh makes his own uh, his own jacket his own style with with a with a different you know um, uh inclination of the gorge on or shape of the, uh, the lapel or uh, you know different crown and angle etc etc um, but the, the the base the the fundamentals are always the same they all agree on that and this mm. is fantastic. This is interesting in my opinion, because in Italy we do we do not. We do not find we don't <laughs> have the same, you know, we don't agree upon the same thing, which is the limit sometimes of our country, but at the same time, probably also, as I say, the added value, because it's the creativity as of uh, the other side of uh, of the coin, you know, of the individual is hopefully I, I, I express myself in a no, no, that way. makes a ton
1: of, it makes a ton of sense. I mean I mean. Okay. You know, but I think one of the things that you kind of helped do, because I remember, I think when a lot of, at least for me, when I started to get more into tailoring, I think it was what? It was probably, it was Omos by, uh, uh, yes. I mean, everyone was writing, but then there was the Omos thing by uh, yeah. Gianluca. And, and, um, and then I was like, okay, I was like, there's got to be this other world out there. But the number one thing that everyone was saying is like, Italians, younger Italians, don't want to be tailors anymore. Mm-hmm. like like tailoring as uh, as an art form was was dying out because people didn't want to do that. People wanted to be uh, I don't know, soccer players or you know whatever that is. Uh, yeah. you know, excuse, yeah, I have a bad example. but like when you started writing more about this, you got more and more people excited about this that you know, talking to people like Pino Luciano, Um, We're saying that like, yeah, like people are reading these things and and reading what you're writing and, you know, there's other writers too and are like, oh, wait, like I want to do this. I want to discover, you know, rediscover my heritage. I want to be a part of something bigger. And I mean, you, you kind of helped bring this new resurgence of tailoring from not just customers buying, but also people wanting to make, which that's a big deal
0: thank you very much uh, that, that's that 's the greatest satisfaction for me uh, as every time i I receive a message from a reader saying uh, uh, you you opened up my mind uh, about this new craft. I want to do that, please help me. let me know where I can learn etc mm. it, it is really a great satisfaction I even have A friend, somebody who became a friend later, but at the beginning was a reader of the blog who told me, thanks to your blog, I decided to leave my job and uh, invest in this tailoring house because you transmitted the love, so much love and energy and passion for the industry that mm, I, I related to that. I could relate, and uh, so that's why. And he still has; uh, he still runs his own tailoring out. I don't know if it's true, but uh, that I helped him so much. But really, but really, uh, it was a good, you know, good thing to know. So I, I really, you touched a great point. Uh, when tailoring has had, was dying out for two main reasons: the, the the arrival of the ready-to-wear industry from the 70s in Italy. And uh, for, for another main reason, which is the uh, um, unwillingness of many, many, many tailors uh, to learn, to teach their craft to, to their, uh, you know, workers. Mm. Uh, there was the usual, uh, very, you know, historical uh, fear of raising competitors. And uh, I talked about this with great masters like Antonio liverano Gaetano Aloisio, and they all agree on the same thing. If you want to be big, you gotta let others be big too. You gotta to grow with your collaborators as well. You can't be the only tailor in the world to be big. You know, <laughs> that doesn't work like that. You, you cannot even, you know, fulfill all the orders if you are the only one. Instead, the usual mentality of many tailors, unfortunately, has been, I must be the only one. You know, the, the, the other <laughs> ones need to die. <laughs> 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 They need to fail, and, uh, and I must be the only tailor in the whole world to, to cut uh, suits for everybody, <laughs> okay? That, that's tr- that's sad. That's very sad. And uh, to be honest, he, they told me something very interesting that made me think. Uh, Livareanu especially told me, you know, I had guys in the workshop who left me after a couple of years or three years because they felt confident to open up to, you know, to start their own business. Of course, it, do, it doesn't make you happy because, you know, you, you thought you were sharing something with somebody, but that's life. But the problem mm. is that I, I'm not afraid of that because, you know, when you are a young tailor, you can even open your own workshop in front of mine. You will never have my level of business, my level, sorry, of service, uh, mm. my, the variety of, of fabrics that I do have, especially Liberano has a collection of fabrics, which is like a cabot. It's fantastic. Vintage fabrics that you normally you cannot find of bunch on bunches, you know, on normal bunches, etc., yeah. etc. Et so it, that that's that is when you understand how big somebody is. When you are talking to a real maestro, and when you're just talking to you know uh, a, a businessman or somebody who wants to be just a businessman, you know, maestros teach their art. Maestros are are happy to share their secrets, you know, if you, if you deserve them, of course, uh, not (laughs) if you are the first one who arrives, but you know, it's important. It's important, this approach. So that, that in order, I'm saying this because I, I, I mean, for the future of, of tailoring, we need more maestros. We need people who understand the importance of sharing, of communicating, of using these uh, tools that we all use—social media, etc. In order to, yeah, to share b- from uh, both sides, from the from the makers' side, so so that more people are interested to learn the craft, and also from the customer side, so that more people want to, uh, you know, buy a bespoke suit rather than three or four ready-to-wear. Uh, cheaper alternatives
1: yeah no i mean it's it's very true and i you know i think about uh you know liverano he you know makes his own developed his own tailoring school you know i mean yeah yeah exactly i mean that that was huge uh because i remember you know so chemo who is uh was one of his his like main i don't know it's like like understudies or apprentices excuse me mm-hmm. who who was who was working with him i mean and like chimao eventually left to start his own thing
0: yeah yeah which, yeah exactly which is great
1: you know and i'm happy for him and i was also happy too and this is the thing with like uh livrano was anyone could work there you didn't have to be from this family or this it was very exactly. welcoming and that to me where i was like okay like there's definitely something more special than, than just like the cut of the suit, you know, Taka, you know, from Japan is running this, Chimal, you know, I mean, so from Eastern Europe, I mean, there's all this, this mix of people that are also helping grow, you know, this thing that like Italy, like gifted to the world. I mean, and so it's, for me, it's, it's so beautiful to see that. And I mean, and that, that just, I don't know, it like warms my heart, especially when you have other people like, you know Salvatore Ambrosi, who's you know the trouser king, and now he's he's you know his trousers are, you know he's got other people that are working for him and all sorts of like backgrounds and folks that are there, and yeah. I mean that that just makes me very very happy to see that, especially as someone who would like to eventually return and move back to Italy someday in my life. You know Good to know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, my my uh, my grandpa's cousin. Is the mayor of San Agapito.
0: Senegapito, where, where, what about? Like, what is it? It's,
1: uh, it's in Abruzzi. Abruzzi, like, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So Good. there's like this tiny little like peasant village, which okay. is where my my grandfather came from, and Fantastic. yeah, the, Have the Picciano family. No, but every okay. time I'm like over to Pity or something, I'm like, oh, how. You know, how, how hard would it be to go over there? Like, I should go do it. You know, I have these cousins. They I actually emailed them and they were like, yeah, why don't you come here? Like, come on over. <laughs> They're like, bring your
0: kid. Bring your yeah. wife. Right. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you need to rent a car, and it would be fantastic to to travel all the way from Tuscany to Abruzzi. So it would be they're they're quite close, uh, by the way. So so you're yeah, not talking it, about north of Italy, or I mean uh, Venice and uh, Palermo. We're talking about two regions which are quite close to each other. So. Yeah, but like that—that's
1: that—that's the plan. Um, yeah. But I mean, I'm just like you're so grateful for you know other tailors like Livrano who are really trying to make more schools yeah, um, in places like that.
0: But yeah, I totally agree with you. And I, if I may add, he, when I visited him for the interview for the book, he, he, he told me, don't talk about me, please talk about my guys which is something <laughs> really you're not accustomed to, you know, you have the tailors are right? it's just me, me, me talk about me, me. I'm the best. I'm the best. And he goes like, no, don't talk about me. Talk about the, the guys, you know, Antonio's guys, uh, I ragazzi di Antonio's guys. It's fantastic. You know, when you see somebody saying s- such things, you know, it really warms, it warms your heart. So, uh, and then that, that is when you, you feel like you are, you, these are the last, you know, um, uh, I don't know how to say uh, the last from the Renaissance era. You 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 feel like you are in a bottega from those times, you know, and where the master is really. Open opens his bottega, and uh, and is really willing to share his art for the sake of the art, not for just his immediate economic return, which is the, uh, of course we all need, <laughs> but it's not the only you know the only the only aim of your life.
1: Yeah. Oh wow, that's amazing that he said that. I had no idea. Yeah. Um. So I mean, and then as your your career grew more and more of of what you were writing, you eventually started to get into. Products yourselves. Yes. How how did that happen?
0: Well, uh, I was, um, uh, it was 2015 and uh, the community had grown uh, quite a lot. I would get every week. I'm I'm not joking. Fifteen emails asking me where do you get that from, or you know, when I would post a, a blog post, etc. And uh, I met my actual my current business partner Andrea, and uh, he came from uh, from uh, from the retail industry, from e-commerce. So he had an experience mm-hmm. in that. And uh, we basically decided to launch this brand, which was all ours, because I started promoting products for other brands, you know, because uh, there, there has been a switch, which I didn't mention. So I understood at a certain point that with tailors, I would never, you know, make money. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the idea was to talk about tailors, but just as a passion. And, you know, you got to right. do, do the poetry with the tailors and the business with the brands. So when I, uh, when I realized that, everything went more uh, smoothly. <laughs> let's say so 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 basically i was i started working with some brands some watch brands omega for example i've been i've been a friend of the brand for six years now
1: which and- just let me let me gent- uh, gently interrupt here that's yeah. a very 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 big deal so omega of the swatch group and i mean they are the kings like they, they're they're the biggest yeah. and of course you know you have rolex but like purists real purists are like no 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 speedmasters and the fact that you were working with them is yeah. i mean they don't work with everyone it's a very, you know, rare thing. And so I, I just, I'd say that to call that out on the significance of that, which is really special.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. And it's a privilege for me, to be honest. It, it, it is a privilege and it all started in an organic way. I mean, I would, I would, I would post on in Instagram photos of my old, uh, my grandpa's omegas, omegas from, uh, you know, from the 58, from the 62. And I got a, a message from their press office saying, why don't you want, well, would you want to get a coffee with us? And I say, okay, well, let, let's get it. <laughs> And oh she's then- value. Where we became even friends. I went to, I came to New York uh, before the pandemic in November 2019 for the launch of the Seamaster 300 uh, James Bond, the 007 mm-hmm. that was featured in the last Bond movie that never was uh, premiered because of yeah, that none of I. us have
1: seen yet. So
0: exactly. <laughs> so we became really friends and started a great collaboration. So I was saying I was I started promoting products for other brands, of course, always products that I believed in, that I for brands that I with which I would share values etc and we said why don't we uh, start promoting a product which is ours and that's how we started basically we went we visited uh, we went to cadore because Italy, apart from tailoring, has different districts of excellence, like Montegranaro for shoes. We have Cadore in Veneto for, for glasses, where there is still a tradition a tradition for in the in the in the manufacturing of glasses in the old way. Okay, so that's why we say handmade glasses. And uh, we really were the worst case scenario for a supplier to to work with because we were two <laughs> young guys with no money and no experience in the industry. So <laughs> nice, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> I want to work with. (laughs) The very first uh, production order was of 21 classes. 21, which would have never happened anywhere else in the world probably, because of mi- minimum order quantities. And uh, to be honest, I wanna, I'm very proud to say that in 2019, before the, the 2020, I, I don't, I don't take into consideration 2020. <laughs> I, uh, you know why? But uh, yeah. in 2019, uh, we we got to sell 10,000 pieces per year from the very first production batch of 21 pieces. So, Holy and now moly. we are, yeah, we are six people full time and I'm super proud of uh, the, you know, self-funded, still self-funded. We have no venture capitalists. Uh, we had some interest uh, from uh, different boutiques and, uh, I mean, different uh, uh investors, but uh, we are still completely self-funded and we are growing with double digit every month. So year over year. So we are, we're happy about it. Yeah. That's huge. I had no idea. I mean, I
1: knew about the brand, obviously, and I knew that it was successful. But I mean, that's that's a big deal, especially when you think about, I mean, glasses is an extremely competitive market because you basically have Luxottica and that's it. I mean, they make everybody's... You know, because I was talking to a friend of mine and was like, oh, he's like, I got these... Uh, these Ray-Bans or, and I was like cool and he's like and then I also got these Tom Fords and these are s- totally different and I was like no they're the same and he's like no 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 I was like they're the same it's okay exactly
0: <laughs> and that's when I, that's when I turn uh, friends into customers because they show me for example a brand and uh, I show them I, I, I always ask the same thing can you show me your glasses okay and inside it's written we don't we would not say names here of course but inside sure. it's, it's always written CE and I ask you I ask them, you know what this stands for? And they say, Comunità Europea. No, it's China export, which, I mean, I have nothing against China, of course, but you you got to be... Conscious, you gotta be aware that you're not buying a made in Italy product. At least if you're thinking that you're buying a made in Italy product, okay, you gotta be. Sure. Uh, everybody, it's okay. The important thing is that the awareness, okay. If you're if you're aware of that, and they're like, oh, okay, wow, and I paid uh, three hundred euros. Okay, ours are completely made in Italy and retail for half the price. Everybody buys <laughs> at that point. <laughs> and it's oh. true. It's true. In in glasses
1: too are something that like. Like a sport coat, you they look universal, but every person that has one wants it to be special to them, yeah. right? Like, you know, I, I love like uh, the glasses I'm wearing right now. They're Naki made. Yeah. And a lot of times people will be like, oh, like, oh, uh, oh, my friend has those glasses. And, I, and in my mind, I'm like, no, they don't. No, no, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, look, I just want this one tiny thing. One tiny thing to flex on, and right now it's just going to be my glasses. Maybe someday a car, who knows? But right now, it's my glasses. Absolutely. (laughs) Glasses are just so unique to each person. And, I mean, the fact that you've been able to do that and makes, you know, an industry uh, that's obviously so successful from it, I mean, that's huge.
0: So... Thank you very much, and and I want to add something very quick. Uh, sure, I, I, I'm happy the, that this thing, we, we the product was consistent with the values um, carried over by the blog. You know that I was talking about on the blog because uh, we didn't go, as we say, to other countries with, uh, with low prices of manufacture, etc. Manufacturing, etc. We went sure. to Italy, so the same community that was interested in bespoke tailoring and artisanal ties, or, an artisanal shirt makers, etc., found in our product made by a workshop, a family run mm. business. You know, the same language, the language of craftsmanship, the language of excellence. These people have always, as much as the tailors have always cut jackets all over the lab for all their life, the same thing goes for these guys who are making our glasses. They've been doing glasses all their, all their life. And when we say handmade, we really mean it because, you know, there are a lot. We are all accustomed when we see a handmade uh, buttonhole on the jacket, etc., or on the shirts and sleeve head. But not everybody really knows uh, what handmade glasses really mean. So we mm. we do a lot of we put a lot of effort in communicating what really means handmade and glasses handmade glasses. So the process, uh, the, the, the 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 everything. It's uh, the hinges that are mounted by hand and they're not glued. I always make this comparison with jackets. We all know in the menswear industry that we have glued jackets, half canvas, full canvas. Okay, different construction. Yep. Same goes with the hinges of the glasses where you can have them glued that it takes less time and, uh, and of course, they, they, they may, might uh, last lo- uh, less. And you have the riveted hinges mounted mm. by hand, by each one by, by hand by the artisan, you know, and people don't think about it sometimes. And then at the end, uh, a long pro- it's a long process, so I don't want to bother anybody here, but <laughs> at the end of the process, there is the guy, an 85-year-old man who is in charge of aligning the temples. Uh, so oh, wow. he, he he makes sure that every piece of glasses that goes out of the his, his workshop has the temples aligned on the same level, you know, otherwise they get they might get uh, they might get screw. I don't know how to say that. Yeah, you Offset. understood me. Offset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bravo, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's just a quick quick thing. Consistency with the product. And it's the same thing we did with the Fleece Milano last year. So, uh, cashmere knitwear, direct to consumer from the artisan to the final customer through the online, you know, through the e-commerce. So, same thing. We never, we, we didn't go to other countries to buy in Tunisia or wherever, where we could have spent one-third of uh, the production cost, uh, you know, and make more uh, more, more uh, revenues with, with margins. No, we went to Italy we, we found these artisans there they, they, and everybody the same thing they have their own secrets for washing the cashmere that gives the mm. hand the soft end it's fascinating in my opinion yeah so whether it be jackets, glasses, cashmere there is always a fil rouge you know
1: yeah I mean and that, it's true because especially in, in Italy I mean you have such a huge you have knitwear industry I mean uh, just garments and textiles and clothing as a whole I mean it's, it's massive One of the other things that you've been doing that I really wanted to discuss too is your social media, which Mm -hmm. here's the thing, everyone has social media and most people's social media is either tacky or tacky on purpose, right? (laughs) It's either just like you look at it and you're like, all right, that's bad. But then someone else is doing it and like for me, I'm tacky on purpose. And so the fact that it's bad, people are like, oh, that's kind of cute. But you have turned your social media into like some of the most informative and educational and inspirational stuff out there. I mean, here's the thing, a friend of mine who likes jackets, like he's starting to get into tailoring, I don't know what's going on with or what sort of deal you have with Instagram or TikTok or what it is, but in his discovery feed, you're always the first thing. (laughs) And it's those these videos that you've done that are like 30 seconds or so, and you're explaining jackets. And I went and looked at this and I was like, Oh, my God, this is brilliant. I was like, Oh, my God. So like, where if you can explain this to me where these ideas came from, in doing this, I'm very
0: curious. Well, thank you, first of all, because you're really being too kind (laughs) with me today, but you're making my day with all these compliments. But really, out of joke, yeah, the the idea comes from uh, the the thing that on social media you have a real challenge. The challenge is to catch the attention of the user and to Mm -hmm. deliver an informative message in a short period of time. So Reels, which are basically the Instagram solution to go against TikTok, <laughs> yeah, yeah, are the the best way probably better than photos? Absolutely, which have become probably too artificial and uh, reach out to less and less people over the years. Um, reels are at the moment, at least for me, the best way. To show uh, to to show you to inform you about something in an in an interactive way in a something which is not the usual wall of text not the usual uh, Instagram photo completely retouched or whatever made by the photographer so with these things you get uh, you get. To inform people while entertaining them, and uh, I was even even I didn't expect to to reach uh, three million views nearly in one one video. For me, uh, I have always been aware of the fact that we are talking about uh, talking about a niche, a niche of the niche. If menswear is a niche mm. compared compared to women's wear, bespoke tailoring is the niche of the niche, and. Uh, <laughs> So really the the maniac thing. And uh, to to get to, to 3 million people, it's a huge success for me. I really was happy about it because at the end of the day, what I'm happy about is that what you just say, that people are... Can be in, informed about these things. So I'm basically I'm a, a reporter. In at, at at the inner inside me, I'm a reporter. I wanna I want people to know to share my passion for the industry. I want people to 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 fall in love like myself on the for the industry for the industry. So that's basically what, what 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 moves me every day. You know. Then of course you need to do it many ways. Uh, you, you you do it with a, I, I used to do it with a blog and then with social media and then uh, you, you you get to live, So you, you have the brands and then you do the book. So they're all part of the same message, you know. Uh, so so Reels were very, very exciting and uh, probably I will keep doing that. It's not easy because you need to study and uh, sometimes <laughs> I, I, I fear that my girlfriend will dump, dump me someday because we... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I asked her on Saturday mornings to, 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 to edit these videos and she would uh, rightfully be resting instead of, uh, instead of being uh, behind the camera. But uh, so far she's, uh, she's holding up. She's coping with it.
1: Every guy I know that loves clothes has his partner taking the photos for yeah. him all the time. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Instagram girlfriend or Instagram husband, you know, Instagram boyfriend. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> Always. Um, so, like, walk me through a typical day of what you've been up to lately. Because, I mean, just from your social and from, you know, the site and the reels, I mean, it, it feels like your output is bigger and higher than ever. So I'm just I'm curious what what you've been what you've been doing. So what's a typical day like?
0: Well, in the the last uh, alpha, in the last year, to be honest, uh, it has changed a lot. Uh, I would travel way more, of course, as everybody. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have, uh, before I didn't really have a typical day. And to be honest, I'm not really, people complain about this new, (laughs) new rhythm. I do -hmm. not complain at all because it helped me, it helped me to, you know, slow, slow the pace to slow down the pace helped me to to stop and think you know about mm. uh, and make new projects etc so um, i really got the, the time in the during the last year to learn more uh, i had more time i found more time to do the things that i always wanted to do but really never probably um, purposefully never found the time to do you know because i was lazy probably instead during the last year i really had the time to focus more and more um, i can concentrate more easily etc i read more i sleep better etc so mm, probably for me it has uh, among the horrible things that uh, this pandemic has brought these are one of the few positive sides so mm, today of course it's the uh, mm, the uh, taking the off taking off the travels I I have uh weekly meetings with my teams and uh so basically we do we we we're, we're all in smart working now the the thing is that we do have an office in TBDI for TBDI where we have an office in Milan but whoever wants and feels like going goes otherwise we we're not obliging everybody to to go uh but we are Continuously in touch. So we have the Mondays uh, dedicated to one uh, business that I that I that I have. Uh, Tuesday is dedicated to another. No, Tuesday is the only one where I don't have. Uh, that's why today we're talking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then Wednesday, and Wednesday I have uh, weekly meetings of both the Fleece Milano and TBD Iwer. So it's uh, we start, for example, at three p.m. and we stop at six for the Fleece, and then at six thirty. I start another one, and I go up to eight, eight thirty, nine for for TBD hour. And uh, during the week, I have weekly meetings with suppliers, so with the production team, we, with with the artisan, or with the advisor for SEO, or with the developers, etc., etc. Because we at TBD hour, we have a very Uh, how do you say that, Um, uh, streamlined kind of structure. Mm -hmm. So basically Mm -hmm. uh, we have the developers, which is a company uh, that mm, works with us. Yeah, your
1: e-commerce is very good. Yeah. yeah,
0: thank you very much. I appreciate, yeah. <laughs> it. and we do invest a lot on that because you know that, that that's uh, we we really believe in the importance of e-commerce. Of course, for TBDI, where both channels are important, so distribution B two B is is one thing, and B two C is another thing. But we really invest a lot in the UI UX, the user experience. You know, with live chat, human. You know, you feel when you are. During office hours visiting our website on the live chat, there is a human that is one of our guys or our girls that has been trained to give you the best experience possible and to inform you and to help you with every kind of kind of request that you might have regarding the glasses. That's really right. important. Uh, I feel I always say that uh, to, to, to our, to my team, we, we need to. Be uh, super well informed about our products, unlike many, some some sales guy that you find on the usual, you know, brick and mortar stores where they don't know what they're selling. So it is important today that we give to the user online the same experience he or she would get into a very good high hand brick and mortar store or not, you know like uh, the one you would uh, you used to work for for example oh, you know, the armory exactly yeah, yeah. where you guys were really actually prepared and you knew what you were doing and that that must be the same thing today in order to make the difference because you said it well before it's a super competitive industry we got uh, empires like luxottica marcolin Safil, etc and we are super small but you know we are we are doing our best and uh, to, to you know to stand out to from the crowd with the great service Uh, a true product great value for money and also this from this year from last year actually with sustainability because we've we've Mm. been investing a lot on that we started before the pandemic so before it became uh, even more trendy the thing but (laughs) so because now everything five years ago it was all handmade handmade made in Italy now it's everything sustainable sustainable sustainable. it's it's quite it's quite a a joke but uh, it had become so abused the word of handmade or artistic yeah. Artisanal. artisanal has been a super abused. Oh, I remember yeah. a laundry service pickup. They would pick up at your at your place, you know, the laundry. They would wash mm-hmm. it and then deliver it back to you. And they were uh, they, they were able to in their payoff artisanal washing service. I don't know what does that mean, to be honest. <laughs> artisanal washing. So everything was artisanal. Whatever your business was, was artisanal. Now, the big thing is sustainability, and we really do that because we invest on bioacetate, which is uh, environmental-friendly. No plastic is involved, etc. It's uh, made from uh, wood and cotton, something like that, uh, to be honest. Uh, the technical details uh, I must—I <laughs> don't remember but it's made actually made from wood and cotton so uh, and we see we've seen that we, we got a lot of people uh, sensitive to this kind of problem so especially northern Europe and from the US we got a lot of customers that are, are willing to pay up to 15% more for a product which is sustainable so this is really uh, important because we feel like we're doing something good for the planet and we're also channeling and uh, need in the market so we really believe in that and from june we will have our first collection which is entirely sustainable because we started last year as a test giving a, an alternative of color made in a sustainable acetate so but from our best sellers now we're gonna mm. have as of june 2021 we're gonna have the first entirely sustainable collection so we only get you only get it in a sustainable acetate
1: that's awesome i, I mean it's interesting too because I feel like, you know, myself and other friends of mine, all of us want to buy from smaller places. Like any, you know, whether it's clothes, like I I I'm actually more suspicious now of big, larger brands mm-hmm. than I am of smaller ones. I'm like, oh great, like there's six or ten people that work there. I'm like, I, I wanna give that person my business. And it's not like you know, I'm some guy who comes in and my one sale fixes a company, but it's just like, like that is the mindset that I think myself and many other friends and more and more people I know have where they want to buy from smaller businesses. They want to buy. It's just, I think now when it's like the whole world is run by like four companies, people are just kind (laughs) of burnt out by like Amazon, Apple, Google, Facebook. It's just like, yeah there's got to be something else out there especially when the real beauty of individuality you know it's it's going to it's not going to come from an AI it's going to come from a story i mean to kind of like jump back to like why you were had gotten into this anyway it was the stories of these folks versus you know how quick something was made. <laughs> Definitely, human,
0: <laughs> human to human marketing—that's uh, that's absolutely the the, the the key to the success to the to every brand today. I mean, absolutely true. We do use uh, marketing automation, but as I say, mm-hmm. when you are a user and you visit during office hours our our website, you will find from the other side of the screen an actual human that is being trained to give you the best possible service. So you're yeah. not talking to a, uh, to a bot, to a chatbot, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, uh, that, that's, that's part of the, of the game, yeah.
1: Do you ever see yourself getting more into vintage stuff? Because I feel like, especially with sustainability, there's a lot of folks whom are trying to kind of incorporate. Um, and vintage is, is a very large catch-all term, right? It's like artisanal, where like everything's vintage, right? Um, like, do you see yourself getting more into that with TBD or with, you know, with what you've been up to?
0: Well, that's a good question. First of all, we got to agree upon the meaning of vintage. So (laughs) (laughs) generally
1: it's 20 years, 20 years or older. Or is, is what an, most people
0: another say. Cr- criteria might be vintage when it's uh, stopped the production of that that thing, you know. So that production True. that thing is not produced anymore. So yeah. I stop producing a collection today, it becomes vintage. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you never know. You never know. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> you really you really need to we really need to agree on that. But still, yeah, we 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 are inspired to vintage because our our shapes are. Uh, that's what many probably buyers uh, don't. Don't get sometimes, yeah. Ah, your shapes are similar to blah blah blah, you know. But we are not, you know, we're not inventing anything. We are totally, I mean, uh, aware of that. Uh, when you talk about classic, you, you you don't need to invent anything. You you hmm. rather you'd rather want to invest on in research, on uh, materials, on quality, on service. But we will never do, you know, the the, the glasses made of. Of uh, titanium or whatever, not saying that not because titanium is not good, but you know, fashionable sunglasses. We will never do that. Right. That like, right. like the last thing that you, can, you might have that it's trendy one season and the season after it's rubbish. No, so uh, and regarding mm, vintage uh, thing, I did uh, a collaboration with Eduardo De Simone, which is a brand from from Napoli, uh, and uh, along with uh, with uh, with another guy a friend, Alessandro Squarzi. Basically, we mm, we came up with this idea. he I'm i found out, <coughs> sorry, mattress covers from uh, that once belonged to the French French army mm-hmm. I had an idea of jacket in mind of course so my um, I'm not a designer you know but yeah it's like going to the tailors you know so I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I told Eduardo my my idea he made it. And we came up with this, with this capsule collection that is an, I, uh, an idea of uh, circular economy because we are taking off basically something that was probably doomed to the, to the waste or was sitting on a shelf full of dust for, uh, has, be, has been sitting on a shelf for years. And uh, we gave them a new life. So this is something mm-hmm. that is definitely something that is interesting. I don't know about, you know, glasses, uh, because it, I know I've, did the research and i know that some competitors are actually doing something interesting that one day probably I would like to implement as well that is uh, we refurbish your your glasses we we service oh. your glasses whatever the whatever the the brand is sure. you give us your glasses there is probably you know there the temples are offset or they've sure. lost the polish we polish them we pull we, pull, we align the temples we take off the scratches, etc. And it's something also interesting. It's a service. Uh, Of course, you get paid for that. Uh, You get paid. But it's a way to give new life to old things, because the pandemic, if something that showed the pandemic to us, to everybody, is that we really had too much of everything. We, I'm, I'm, I'm the first. I'm the first. I'm. Uh, I love. I love uh, suits, as you know. But during the last year, I would walk in my closet and I would say, "But re- did I really need all these suits? It's crazy, you know." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at the end of the day, you really start to understand and to focus only on those really those those suits, those things that really are good and they are getting the most of wear from you, the most of use from you. And you focus on that. And there's no need to have 1,000 suits if you only end up wearing just 20, you know. That's another, yeah. that's another story. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> I mean, so I go in my closet and I'm like looking at all these things that I have and they're great, but like, it's so hard for me to part with some of them because they're like my baseball cards, you know, they're, they're memories. I'm like, oh, hmm. you know, I even, I found a, a great local tailor here um and uh i brought her all of my you know ambrosies all just all the stuff that i had and you know she opened them up and she's like oh uh, this is this is 2013 this is 20 you know this is 2012 this is and i mean she had to do quite a bit of altering to get them to fit i'll just be i'll be totally transparent <laughs> but but like all those things are memories to me and even though i may not be wearing the you know cover cloth trousers that i had yeah. made there it's so hard for me to part with because it, i i remember the experience when oh, nice. i picked that fabric totally. out when i did that t-shirts i can just drop kick out the door i mean that's yeah. easy it's but it's all the the handmade stuff is just so
0: hard Absolutely, no, no, it's true. It's you touched a great point. The experience it reminds you of the experience, and sometimes for us, it's also for for men. It's also a reward, you know. We we reward mm-hmm. ourselves with by buying a new watch, a new suit, or whatever, and it's uh, it, it's part of the memories that are associated with things that really we cherish all over the years. Absolutely, totally. Yeah. Well,
1: you've been extremely generous with your time. I, I cannot thank you enough for for chatting
0: with me. I do thank you. The, the book is available on uh, just a. Uh because I get a lot of these questions uh, on uh, on my Instagram, but uh, it's never enough uh, saying that it's uh, available on the Fleece Milano. So Scent of Tailoring is the name of the book, which uh, compare where it's a comparison between uh, among Italian and Spanish jackets, comparative review. So it's available there and we ship worldwide in two, three business days. So that's it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Fabio, thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Jeremy.
1: All right, talk have to a you good soon. one. Ciao. Ciao. All right, bye bye. 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 You've been listening to Blammo. Our show is produced by Blammo Media. Theme music as always by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You can find us on Instagram at Blammo And if you can't stop and need all the hot content, join us on Patreon for tons of exclusive episodes, our private Slack group, merch hookups, and all the fun in the whole world. I'm Jeremy Kirkland. See you next week.